I want to minister today from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, and we're going to read from verse 3. As much, uh, as much time as I can use today, I want to speak to you on the subject of prayer and fasting. We've come into the week that we talked about last week. This is being on my heart that the whole church will take a month to fast and to pray. And I shall take the time at the end of my message to talk to you about the format of our prayer and fasting for one month. That kicks off tomorrow. But you know, it's always important that everything we do is done based on the authority of the word of God. Everything we do must be built on the word. Because the only way faith comes is by hearing the word. That we step out and do it for one month. Knowing that it is scriptural. It's one thing to have mental assent of what God says. Believing with your mind. But it's a whole different thing to believe with your heart. Because faith is not in the mind. Faith is in the heart. The Bible says with the heart man believes. With the heart man believes. Not with the mind. With the heart man believes. The Bible says in Mark chapter 11. If you shall not doubt in your heart, but you shall believe. So faith is in the heart. And faith comes to the heart as a result of the truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The truth comes as a result of the word. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shined in darkness. And darkness could not comprehend it. The Bible goes further to say. And the word became flesh. Tangible. That you can touch. And dwelt among us. So we understand that truth comes as a result of the word. And when we see it on the word, then we can do it because of what the word of God says. And I thought someone would give the Lord a big shout of praise the Lord. <coughs> Isaiah 58, and I read from verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not sinned? Why have we afflicted our souls, and you have and you take no notice. So the, the people of God are basically accusing God that they have fasted. They have afflicted their souls. But God have not taken notice of their fast. And God responds to them. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. And exploit all your laborers. Indeed you fast for strife and And to strike with the feast of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day. To make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? 
So it means that these people were fasting incorrectly. They were fasting with the wrong motive. They were fasting, but not in accordance to the format that God has laid out. Like I said earlier on, there is always a way things are done in the kingdom. That is why we must look at his word and do it like his word wants us to do it. So these guys were upset because they said, we have fasted. We have afflicted our souls. But you have not taken notice. And God rebukes them. You fast for strife. You fast for debate. And to strike with a feast of wickedness. This is not the kind of fast that I want. And God goes further to say, is this not the fast that I have chosen? So God has his own way. I want to say God has his own way. This is, is this not a kind of fast I've chosen? To lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cash out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the whole waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairers of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. The Lord bless the reading of his word in our hearts in Jesus. <laughs> when you look into the Bible, we see that there are different kinds of fast. We understand that Jesus, Moses, Elijah fasted for 40 days. I want to say 40 days. 40 days. Jesus, Moses, Elijah, these were the only three we see in all of the word of God. That fasted for 40 days. In actual fact, in the case of Moses, he did twice. But God called him to the mountain. I want to say God called him. I like to say that because many are fasting religiously. Many are doing their fast religiously. Notice when Moses went to the mountain on two occasions, 
He was called up to the mountain by God. In other words, it was God's idea that Moses would fast for 40 days. Many have tried to fast for 40 days in the flesh. And they destroy their bodies. To tell you, what's up with my mic? What's going on? I'm not here to tell you to go for 40 days and 40 nights. That's not what we want to do. I shall talk to you about the structure we have. But for you to go for 40 days and 40 nights without food and without water, God must have told you to do so. Or else, you're getting yourself into trouble. You look so skinny when you're done. That is if you are still alive. You, you <laughs> when you get in the shower, it will take you a long time to get wet. No, God called him. The Lord called him. The Lord called him to a mountain filled with the glory. And on two occasions as Moses went to this mountain where God's fire burned and where the glory of God dwelt, there was absolutely no need for Moses to think about food when he was lost in the glory of God. Because when you are lost in the glory of God, everything natural dissipates. I can tell you today that the fast that Moses did for 40 days on two different occasions were fasts that were done supernaturally. All supernatural. By God. You can't go on a 40 days in the flesh. Are you listening to me? It has to be supernatural if you're going to go on a 40 day fast with no food, with no water. It's got to be supernatural. And that's not what I'm calling you to do. If the Lord tells us to go for 40 days, praise God. But he hasn't told me to do so. <laughs> he didn't tell me 40 days. Amen. Amen. And we look at Elijah. Elijah went for 40 days with no food. But guess what happened before he embarked on a 40-day fast? The Bible says he had met with an angel of God. And the angel of the Lord gave him a supernatural meal. And when he ate of the supernatural meal that the angel of the Lord gave him, it was a supernatural meal that carried him for 40 days. Are you listening to what I'm saying now? We have to look at all of these in Scripture. When Jesus went to the wilderness and fasted for 40 days, the Bible tells us that he was led by the Spirit. He was led by who? So in all three cases, we understand that they were all done supernaturally. I want to say supernatural. So we want to get that out of the way. And understand that the 40-day fast we see in the Bible by Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were all done by the leading of God. Praise God. But we also see Daniel fasted for 21 days. But we understand that the fast of Daniel was not a complete fast. Not a complete fast in the sense that Daniel did not completely Fast without food. Go read the Bible. The Bible says in Daniel fasted. Daniel actually from 
Daniel fasted for 21 days, but not completely without food. The Bible says he did not eat pleasant food. Invariably, he ate food, but not pleasant food. Yeah. Right? He ate food, but not pleasant food. Is that correct? So for 21 days, he was eating, but not pleasant food. Some people refer to that as partial fast. Amen. The Bible talks about Esther and Mordecai and the Jews fasted for three days without food and water. And the reason they did was to turn the evil plot of Haman who had planned to annihilate the Jews. This man Haman was the enemy of the Jews in Shushan. And he had planned to completely wipe out the Jews. But when Mordecai found out the plan, Mordecai said to Esther, who at this time was the queen, and he said to her, the Lord has brought you into the palace at a time as this. Rise up and help the Jews. But if you would not rise up and help the Jews, salvation will come from somewhere else. Yeah. But know for sure that you shall be destroyed. And Esther said to her uncle Mordecai, said, go tell all the Jews in Shushan that they all fast. And I and my servants will fast three days, no food, no water. Are you listening now? And they all fasted for three days, no food, no water. And as they fasted, the Lord turned the attack of Haman against Haman. That which the enemy has plotted against you as we fast for one month, the Lord's going to turn it against your enemies. And that thing that they dug for you, they shall fall into it. Amen. That amen is too weak this morning. The Lord will turn that which the enemy has planned against your life. The Lord will turn that which the enemy has set against you. And it is those who have set the trap against you that shall fall into it. The Bible also talks about Anna. A widow who fasted for 84 years. Oh no, people don't talk about that a lot. People don't talk about Anna a lot. You can see that in Luke chapter 2. Verse 36 to 38. And I'm going to read that from the Amplified Classic. It says, And there was also a prophetess, Anna, <coughs> the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, having lived with her husband seven years from her maidenhood. So she was only married for seven years. It says, and as a widow, even for 84 years, she did not go out from the temple enclosure, but was worshiping night and day with fasting and prayer for 84 years. Every day. Exactly. She stayed in the temple enclosure. She didn't go out. She worshiped the Lord night and day with fasting and prayer. Praise the Lord. This is the longest fast. Fasting for 84 years. The Bible says, And she too came up at that time, at that same hour, and she returned thanks 
to God and talked of Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption, deliverance of Jerusalem. Can someone say amen? amen? So what I'm showing you in the Bible are different facts that we see. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 to 15, Jesus said, Then the disciples, uh, actually the Bible says, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the fast often fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. So yeah, you can see that even Jesus talks about his disciples fasting. And when you read through the New Testament, you would notice that the disciples of Jesus fasted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27, Paul said in fastings often. Paul the apostle was fasting on a regular basis. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Can someone say amen? amen. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Fasting is not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Jesus said, when you pray, when ye fast. Not if ye pray, if ye fast. But when ye pray and when ye fast. A lot of people pray, but they don't fast. But fasting is a matter of when, not a matter of if. Fasting and prayer is a way to say, enough is enough. Thank you for that one, hallelujah. Fasting is a way to say enough is enough to break off demonic stronghold over your life. I tell you, as we fast this month, every demonic stronghold over your life shall be broken. Yeah. It's a way to say enough is enough. I am tired of being tired. I am tired of this demonic stronghold over my mind. I am tired of being sick. I am tired of all this thing the devil has been doing in my life. Enough is enough. Somebody has to say enough is enough. enough. Fasting is a way to kill the desires of the flesh, which war against your soul and hinders your spiritual progress. Fasting will kill the flesh. The Bible does not say manage the flesh. The Bible says Kill the flesh. Some of you, you look at your life and your walk with God. And for three months, you're doing everything you know to do. You're serving God in spirit and in truth. You're living right. You're living clean. You're saying the right words. But then that one day shows up. Before you know it, you're giving yourself to the flesh. You're messing up your life. And then you, you, you realize after you've done all that, you realize, my God, I wasted. I've gone back to square one again. Has anyone ever dealt with this before? Three months you're running strong. Three months you're doing well. Five months you're doing great, doing very well. And then the flesh shows up. Offense shows up. Strife shows up. That lust, excessive desire, 
to have what does not belong to you. Shows up. That greed shows up. And then you lose your bearing. And you go back to square one. But fasting is a way to kill the flesh. All the works of the flesh. The Bible gives us a list of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5. But not a comprehensive list because Paul said these and many more. These and many more. We have about, there is about 17 different works of the flesh in Galatians 5 from verse 19. But it's not a comprehensive list because Paul said these and many more. There are many, many, many more. But fasting is a way to kill the flesh. Fasting is a way to put the flesh out. Fasting is a way to put the flesh under. When I learn that my fasting does not move God, rather it moves me. It changed my perspective on fasting. You don't fast to twist God's arms. You must give it to me. You must give it for me. Because that's what some people think. They think they're fasting to make God do something. No, you're not fasting to twist God's arm. You're fasting to change you. Look at, just listen to the amen. <coughs> you're fasting to change you. Tell your neighbor you're fasting to change you. No, Pastor God, I thought I was fasting so that God would give me a miracle. Pastor God, I thought I was fasting to twist God's arms, though. Give me that and do it out for me. Your fasting changes you. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Amen. You remember the case when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and as he was there with Peter, James, and John, the other disciples were down in the valley, and this man had brought his son to Jesus, but Jesus was not there. And so he said to the disciples of Jesus, can you please help my son? And the Bible says this young man tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. They did everything they could to cast the spirit out of the young man, but they could not. And when Jesus came down from the mountain, the father of the young man comes to Jesus and said, I brought my, my son to your disciples, and they couldn't help my son. And Jesus said to them, bring me the boy. Oh, faithless generation, how long will I suffer with you? They bring Jesus the boy. And Jesus cast the spirit out of the boy. And the disciples come to Jesus in private and say, Lord, why could we not cast the spirit out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Everyone say, because of your unbelief. <laughs> so whose problem was it? Was it God's problem? Was it God's inability to set free? Pardon? Was it God's willingness to deliver the boy? Was it God's unwillingness, I should say, to deliver the boy? No. Was it God's inability to set free? No. God was always willing. God was always able. But God will use a human instrument. The human instrument can become a conduit or can become a hindrance. Should I say that again? The human instrument can become a conduit or can become a hindrance. You can become a conductor, you can become, you can become what? A resistor. Some people are resistors. We have to be conductors. Praise God. Tell someone become a conductor. Don't be a resistor. 
Don't be the one that resists what God's doing. God wants to touch people. God wants to set people free. So you don't be the one that resists what God wants to do. But you become a conductor, a conduit, a pipe, a host. Praise God. Bring me the boys. So Jesus cast this devil out. And Jesus said to them, the reason you couldn't deal with that is because of your unbelief. But then Jesus went further to say, this kind, that was a this kind. This kind goeth not out except by prayer and fasting. You don't fast to change God. You fast to change you. Your fasting will change you. Your fasting will change the way you think. Your fasting will change your perspective on life. Your fasting will stir you up to the point where you realize that this is possible. Praise God. I said, praise God. Because most of the times, the reason why many cannot believe is because their flesh is shouting louder than their spirits. I am here. Feed me. I am here. Give me what I want. I like the scripture that Pam used. Galatians 5, that talks about the war, the constant battle, the constant war that goes on between the spirit and the flesh. The spirit wants to do the things of God. The flesh wants to do the things of the flesh. And there is a constant battle that's going on. But the Bible says that if you walk in the spirit, you will not do the desires of the flesh. And many are not walking in the spirit. That's why they are doing the desires of the flesh. And many cannot truly walk in the spirit because your flesh is speaking louder. Your flesh is shouting on top of his voice. Give me this. Give me that. Do this for me. That's why fasting is important to put your flesh under. Can someone say amen? Fasting will put your flesh under. Fasting will kill the flesh. Fasting does not help you manage it. Fasting will help you to kill it. Praise God. To kill the flesh. So that you can begin to make spiritual progress. That you are not two months up. One month down. Yo-yo. Yo-yo. Yo-yo Christians. Yo-yo up and down and roller coaster Christianity. That's not God's plan. Tell you about that's not the plan of God. Fasting will kill the desires of the flesh, which war against your soul and hinders your spiritual progress. So that you are stable. Prayer and fasting empowers you to deal with demonic activities. Just like the scripture that I illustrated and, and, and made reference to, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You know, there are some devils that are this kind. There are some problems that are this kind. By prayer and fasting, we shall deal with them this month. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fasting causes your health, your life, your vision to blossom. Fasting causes your health, your life, your vision to blossom. Notice what it says in our text. Then shall your light break forth like the morning. There's going to come a breaking forth in your health. There's going to come a breaking forth in your vision. There's going to come a breaking forth in your business. 
There's going to come a breaking forth in your spiritual walk with God. There's going to come a breaking forth in your family. There's going to come a breaking forth in your investments. Everything that you do, you shall experience a breakthrough, a breaking forth, just like the morning light. Then shall your light break forth like the morning. Can someone shout hallelujah? My God, there is somebody in this place this month that's going to break forth. There's somebody here today that's going to break forth like never before. Like the morning, your life will break forth. Like the morning, everything that you do, there's going to come a breaking through. There's going to come a breaking forth. You shall break forth in the marketplace. You shall break forth in your walk with God. You shall break forth in your ministry. You shall break forth in those things that God has placed on the inside of you, I can tell you, we have come into the year of an overflow. That's going to be an overflow in every area of your life. If you believe it, give the Lord your biggest shout of praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Fasting for others, not for yourself. This is an important part of fasting. This is such a powerful way to fast, forgetting about your personal needs and focusing on other people's needs. And guess what happens when you focus on other people's needs and forget yours? Your needs are going to be met. Yes. Far and above. I say far and above. Yes. Everything you believe God for this year shall be met as you focus and pray for the needs of other people. Prayer and fasting stirs up the power of the spirit within you. Are you born again? The Holy Ghost lives in you. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 1. Just want to show you verse 1. Luke chapter 4. This is speaking about Jesus. It said, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to say he was filled. Returned from the Jordan and was led. By the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I want to know this. Verse 1 says, Jesus was filled. Is that correct? He being filled with the Holy Spirit returned. When was he filled with the Holy Spirit? When he was baptized in the Jordan. John the Baptist took him and dipped him into the Jordan River. The Bible says, as he came up out of the water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him like a dove. And the Father spoke out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Is that right? That was when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. But look at verse 14. Between verse 1 and verse 14, Jesus was in the wilderness. What was he doing in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights? Fasting and praying. Okay? So look at what he says. When he had fasted and prayed, the devil had come. The devil had tempted him. And all the temptations like we know the devil tempted Jesus with. And when the temptation was over, look at what it says in verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Verse 1, Jesus being filled. Verse 14, Jesus returned in the power. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Verse 1, Jesus was being filled. Verse 14, Jesus returned in power. So fasting and prayer will stir up the power in you. 
The day I saw this, it's just, wow, this is true. I've read this, never saw it. And then one day comes, I see this. Jesus being filled in verse 1. And there is this space where he had fasted for 40 days. And while he was fasting for 40 days, the power was being stirred up. So verse 14, he returns in power. And I got it. The Lord showed me. Look at it. This is what fasting will do. Fasting will stir up the spirit on the inside. Fasting will cause you to rise up in the power of God. Show me a man who prays and fasts. I'll show you a man who prays in the power of God. Are you listening to me? This is why the devil will try to stop you from fasting and prayer. The devil is not so much interested in the miracles, the devil is interested in stopping the prayer power. That's why it's interested. No, not the miracle. It's interested in stopping the prayer power. Because he knows if he can stop you from praying and fasting, he can stop you from operating in power. The kingdom of God is in power. The gospel is to them that perish foolishness, but to us it is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe at first to the Jews and then to the Greek. I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith would not be founded in the philosophies of men, but in the power of God. I was with you in weakness. My preaching were not enticing words of man's wisdom. Today, people are orators. They speak good grammar, but devoid of power. Who is interested in your grammar? Your grammar don't help nobody. Your grammar don't cast any devil out. I don't care about your grammar. I care about your power. Show me power. Because that's what sets the captives free. Show me power. Because that's what breaks the power of the devil. The devil is not afraid of you. He's afraid of the power in you. First John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The power of God that's walking on the inside of you. That is what the enemy is afraid of. The authority you carry. That's what the enemy is afraid of. So when you stand and you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I command you, devil of cancer, to die and live. And I tell you, it will happen. Can someone say amen? amen? We've seen the move of God. We've seen the power of God. We've seen God set people free. We've seen God deliver people. Why? Because it is the power of God that sets people free. Praise God. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He said, I was with you in weakness. And my preachings were not in persuasive words of man's wisdom. But in the demonstration. Of the spirit and power. It was the same man who said in fastings. All the time. The enemy wants you weak and lazy. And eat your, eat your future away. Oh yeah. That's what the devil wants. Eat, eat, eat your future away. But we shall not eat our future away. Amen. I said we are not going to eat our future away. If you know the price that people that serve the devil pay for power. I'm, I'm African. Look at me. So you know, when I talk about these things, I know. You guys need to understand. When I talk about these things, I'm African. We know the price that people pay to acquire power. 
We understand. And then people get born again and they become lazy. Eat and eat their future away. Hey. <laughs> yeah, people are eating their, I'm telling you, people are eating their future away. Skipping one meal won't hurt you. It will empower you. Amen. Pastor Godwell, you mean for one month? Yes. One month. One month. 